Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. Now, in our 16th season, with over 500 episodes in 17 countries, we are Radio Strong. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck, and have I got a treat for you today. We are meeting with Judith Bryles, and she owns a company called The Book Shepherd. You're going to want to look it up. It's The Book Shepherd. Shepherd is spelled S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D, thebookshepherd.com. She has 30 years experience. She has over 500 bestsellers under her auspices, and she's worked with over a thousand authors. And that's a pretty good indication that this lady knows what she's talking about. And we're going to talk today about, you know, how to get started with a novel. Like if you have an idea, like, you know, where do you turn? And I'll be honest, if you need help, Judith Bryles at The Book Shepherd is the place to go. She has not paid any promotional materials for today's show. I brought her on because she's an expert, but I also know that her company is amazing and has great expertise. So if you're wondering where to begin, she has all these different levels, price points, things you can learn on her site. Go to thebookshepherd.com, check her out, call her and hire her. We will be glad you did. So that aside, we are here today with Judith Bryles. And Judith, people come to me all the time. They say, I have a great idea for a book. Now what? (laughs) Oh, like 80% of the people think they have a great idea for the book, Sandra. And I've always said, should it come out? So, And and that's really, you know, a a come to book moment where you (laughs) you have to really decide, is this just something I'm diddling with and playing with? Or is this something that I just want my family to know about, like a legacy book? And the nonfiction line, or is this really a nifty story that needs some help? But I think it belongs out there. So those are those are important questions to ask yourself. So you got to be honest with it. And I think some of the things that you and I talked about, we were going to talk about some things for novels, because every November, How to Write a Novel Month, or the NaNoWrite Month comes up. And you've got people who are trying to cram out 50,000 words during those 30 days of November. Um, Is that for you? Maybe, but you know, it might be a fun exercise to force you to do the number one thing that will make you a successful author. And that is you gotta write. And you gotta write and write and write, (laughs) disgustingly write sometimes that looks like all trash, but that's how you learn. That's part of the craft. Now, one of the things I had, a, I had a lady on a show a couple of years ago, and she said, if you don't have time or you're not ready to write your novel yet, journaling every day is a good way to start because you get in a routine of writing, even though you don't have a goal or form. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I'm going to be contrary in here. I know a lot of very successful authors who say you got to write every day. I'm not that kind of writer. I I am actually writing every day, doing things for my website or for the authors I'm working with. I'm always writing, but for my personal writing, I'm a binge writer. And um, I I can, it's like a dog. You know, have you ever watched the dog? They go around in circles and circles and circles until they find a plop. That's me. 
And that when I plop down, I am so myopic. I am so focused that I may be writing from four to eight o'clock, four in the morning to eight o'clock at night, nonstop. I get to take health breaks. That's just about it. And um, I can often do, because I've done some of the things that we're going to talk about during this session. Uh, I've already done my planning. I've already done my research. I just have to plot. Like, well, plot. And I think that's a big deal for a lot of people, the actual yeah. sitting down and writing. Right. And so when I go, I can actually do a draft of an entire book in a week. Wow. Because I'm so myopically focused. People bring me food. They're not allowed to enter in my space. You can put it in like on a tray. <laughs> you can take care of me that way. So I, I think it's important. If writing every day is what you need to do, then by golly, you do it. If, if getting up at four in the morning and work from four to seven before the kiddos go off or whatever it is, or you go off to a, your other, other day job, you do it. Or if you're a night owl, which I am not, um, but if you're a night owl, then those are going to be your time. But you have to know who you are mm -hmm. and what your time space is and really be realistic. What are the parameters that you have? And I, and I think one exercise I, I've done a lot of times with my audience is I ask them, Sandy, to identify the four most important things in their life. Okay. And what are those four most important things? If it is to write your book, that better be on one of those four. Um, but if it is to lose 20 pounds, okay, there's on four. If it is to go back to school, that's on one of the four. If it is to spend more time with your family, that's on the four. Maybe it's time to spend, your, whatever it is, what are the big four? And then when I start backing people in of the four, which is the least important, cross it off. Of the three that remains, which is the least important, cross it off. Of the two that remains, which is the less important, cross it off. And then I ask them, are you spending the amount of time that you want to each day on whatever this number one is? Mm -hmm. If the answer is no, you forget everything else until you get that into balance. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I, you know, when you were talking about this, I was thinking about, you know, as I had one kid just went off to college a couple of weeks ago and Hooray. Well, yay. <laughs> right. Hooray. But what a difference. Like when you were talking about like priorities and time and, you know, are you a night owl or a binge writer? Now, when my kids were really tiny, I was a night owl because it was the only time I had like peace to myself unless one of my kiddos was sick. And then when they were in elementary school and I had like like school daycare kind of thing, I could write daily Monday through Friday while my kids were in school. And then I put my mom hat back on. And then now what I'm finding as I'm older and I, my kids are grown or grown up and, you know, out of the house and I only have one left at home. Now I'm wondering who am I? Cause I'm not the night owl. I'm not the Monday through Friday writer. I might be the binge writer because now I can carve out a day to myself. Cause what, chemotherapy taught me was, you know what, if I can carve a day, I didn't believe I had a day to take care of myself before I got sick. Then I get sick and I'm like, wow, you know what? I can carve a whole day out for chemotherapy and a whole half day after to be sleeping and then maybe check my email and my work stuff that afternoon. Like it was only in my head that everything flew in like water to my life where I felt like I couldn't swim out. Mm -hmm. That was a mindset. Know, 
I, it is a mindset for so many things. Years ago, when I had up my own financial planning firm and I worked with people, and, and we're talking 40 plus years ago, um, that all these people whose money always ran out before the month did. I, I told every one of you are kissing off money. Everybody does kiss off stuff. Kiss off time, kiss off food, kiss off money. We all do it, but we just don't pay attention to what we're really doing. So in your example, where all of a sudden you were forced, right? but you as number one, which was number one now, that you were forced to do that, you realize that, gee, you know what? Maybe this other stuff, is it as high as priority to knock me off that number one spot? And that's so important to understand um, as an author going forward, whether you're writing nonfiction or fiction, either one of them, that you've got to really look at the priority thing. And that um, for me, there's heavy concentrations that come in that just are, or all of a sudden, just something just drops in. Yes. And I, and I have to stop to redo it. Like I, I'm working on my personal next book called The Author's Walk. And I, uh, and I do a revealing story of how I really started writing and how a well-known humorous, columnist, best-selling author, Screenwire, plagiarized my stuff. Oh, wow. And the epiphany that dropped in was, kiddo, if you don't start taking your work and use it, other people will continue to lift it. You know, voila. So- voila. So let's talk about getting that book done. Yeah. Um, and, and the very first thing, and this was one of the best advice that I got from one of my agents. And I and I and I do all want you to know that I started the traditional path. I was published by New York. 18 of my books were published by the big boys. My agent was with William Morris, the big, big boy. And um, I just thought that's the way everyone did it. And I am a recovered publishing snob. All right. So I will tell you, you don't have to be published by New York to be successful. In fact, you have greater odds of being successful if you just learn how to market your book, your product, and you publish it yourself. But well, that's, an, that's another show we're going to do. Right. One of the best advice I got from one of the agents I worked with is um, whatever research that you need to support your book, you do it all up front, all up front. Once you start the writing process, it's called stop. Now, it doesn't mean that you, mo don't, you have to go back and redefine some details or substitute things in, or you need a little bit, bit more. But if you will get into the practice of using these initials, T is in Tom and K is in kangaroo, TK. Rarely do you see those, and I would do them in cap. When you're going along and you're working on stuff and you just you have a hole, you don't have it, just type in TK. You can go back in your rough manuscript and do a search now for TK and it'll come up. Rarely does a word have a K after the T. Right. And that's why I'm telling you to do it that way. All right. So, and it's a very common journalism term to more to come. It stands for more to come. That's why it doesn't say. MTC or TC, because there's a lot of words that start with that. We're trying to do something odd that you can remember easy peasy and will get your attention. So, well, and I love that so much better than my XXX.XXX. That's what I've been using. TK ah, is much easier. Yeah, yeah, much easier. Okay. So, 
So if you're writing nonfiction, let's let me just do both and then we'll go more into the fiction side. If you're writing nonfiction, research is going to involve something historical, cultural, scientific, maybe something academic, maybe a study that's out there. It could be involved any field work you're doing. It could involve interviewing experts. It's all kinds of forms. Get it done beforehand. When you see you need more information, just TK it, fill in the hole when you're done. If you stop to do the research, guaranteed your flow will evaporate. Absolutely. And, the flow and being in the zone is so important. Our fiction. Um, you may have to do some traditional type of research from events, people, locations, times, gadgets that were used during this time that you're writing about. That internal research, get that in involved in your character sketches. Like if you're writing a book like, you know, current day in, in way into the, you know, the 21st century, and you have them still wearing a Timex watch. Maybe <laughs> you need to, to, to go back and review. Maybe he's a classic character. Okay, so. I was given a book to read by a publisher to do critical thinking. And I'm like, she wrote this like 20 years ago. And I, in the, the um, my contact over the publishing house said, well, how do you know? I'm like, when is the last time you needed a dime to make a phone call? Uh, uh no <laughs> yeah right I mean like no, no. Uh, like 25 yeah. years ago maybe 30 yeah yeah we always carried a diamond a quarter right in our purse so um if you are one of the most important things the most important things I can tell any of you is that you need to be reading devouring books that are in the genre that you're writing for. You need to understand what the flow is, what the fiction, what the, some of the jargon that gets used. You need to understand what's current because the people you're writing for are tuned into it. And if you don't fit some of the mode, you know what, you're gonna be la-la. Or you might be really outdated. Very That's outdated. what I found with some of the people when I do reading work. It's like, you know, it's a great story and stuff, but it's written like a like a romance novel would have been written 10 years ago or 20 years ago. There's different pacing. There's it's different everything. Not the story. Like, you know what I mean? Like characters still have to have arcs and character oh, yes. conflict, but how you present it to the reader, you know, it's like putting it on good china versus putting it on an old busted up plastic plate. Oh, ugh. Okay. So see, you, it, even those of you who relish plastic must replace it once in a while. So um, what you need to really think about, though, is uh, that who are you modeling after? It's not like you say, but I don't want to read them because I don't want anyone to think, look, they're ahead of you in the game. They're going <laughs> to teach you. There are phrases that how they phrase things and put these together. You can learn so much so much and the other thing is so you need to read your just write just write just start right it's going to be ugly awful it's okay just start writing all right next thing number two is you need to know what the heck your book's about right what a clever thing all right and and i don't mean the you know we, we don't mean the the subject or the general plot but rather oh big picture what's the theme what's the morale where, where are we going with this baby what are you trying to tell the world in that so for fiction, it's really broad themes. You could be writing a book about familial love. You could be talking about overcoming abuse. You could be talking about deep family secrets. Who knows? Who knows? For nonfiction, it, 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 you got to really know what makes your book unique. unique. Like when I have a book come in, oh, oh, my God, Sandy, when I get another book on leadership, I'm going, oh, my God, oh. leadership. 
there are over 15,000 books on leadership. What makes you unique? Right. What makes you unique? And in talking with one of the latest authors, I worked with a book on, on leadership. I, you know, I, I kept thinking, come on, you know, Mike, you got to help me out here. I get you were the CIA for 16 years. I get you were the, you know, for 20, 22 years. I get that you, you created the whole global security for Microsoft. I get it. I get it. I get it. But what right. was really unique, right? It was really unique. And it came from his email and a word he used in his email. And I said, explain this to me. And I said, that's it. It's the art of Ronin leadership, okay? I get it. The power of being the maverick. I get that, all right? So, um, and then I can take and run with it. So um, you need to know what's, the, what's the unique proposition here, all right? That's number two. Number three, oh, here's the magic word. You gotta plan it. And, and going through, it's like with, you know, doing this program with Sandy today, I actually wrote down like a dozen points that I wanted to kiss on, number three was, you have got to create a plan. Now, um, some people really do extensive outlines with like an abstract page to describe the chapter. Um, we actually would commonly do that for proposals to New York. Um, if you didn't have the whole book written, that you'd have to have that detail in there. Um, and you would, with, with uh, traditional outlines, you have bullets. And those actually, I, I like, that kind of thing because those are triggers that helps me get organized because how I write, I write with sticky notes and I organize with sticky notes because I they are portable and I can move them all over the place and I'm so visual, I have to see it. You need to ask yourself, are you someone that can find something through a labyrinth of papers or do you need to have it up on the wall? I gotta have stuff up on the wall once I'm into it because it also gives me the map of where I'm going. Oh, that's so funny. I'm a, Sylvester Stallone taught me this one when I worked for him. He has all these index cards and they're different colors and he puts them out on the kitchen table. I still use this method today yep. and I get my big kitchen table. I clear everything off of it and I put all these cards out and they're written in Sharpie so I can read them. But yep. then you can move stuff around and you can see your work as a whole and also see what holes are in your project. Absolutely. Well, that, which is number two on my list, index cards. But they, I think that in a lot of ways that um, the sticky notes are the next stage of those index cards. All the multiple colors, I do exactly what, what, what Stone taught you. I do exactly the thing. And, that, and then I have them on a big piece of paper, a big piece of paper that I can roll up and just take with me or I can fold up. And, and doing that instead of shuffling them all together or saying no one can come to the kitchen table for two months because well, and I like the sticky notes because I could stick them on the wall and yep. I you know and I, you know and heaven forbid the wind should blow or the kid slams the door and they blow oh, yeah. the and that happens but but John we were on a cruise and I actually you know one of my tells is that I actually will book a cruise I am underground the whole time food is brought to me and that's where I will do my first draft, you know, but that John walked in, my husband walked into the room and he says, what are you doing? The entire sliding doors had sticky notes all over it. And I that's said, awesome. I have just outlined my entire next book. So <laughs> that do what works for you. Now, another thing you can do that might be a little bit more fluid is you can write and actually um, an outline short version of what the book is 
identifying the major plots and do it in a flow in your handwriting um, and going through that, or you could type it out, whatever you wanna do. But that's one way, but it's, it's the plan. You gotta get a plan together so you can follow it. And I know, especially in fiction, once, once fiction authors get going, I mean, they've got their Bible put together and they know what the traits of their characters are, the naughty habits, all those other things that they wanna include. Um, but characters have the habit of starting to talk to the author and will lead the author in directions that maybe the author didn't know. So I, I think it's, you need to be open because as you write, things will happen, things will drop in. That I, I, I don't have that incredible wacko gift that some of these fiction authors have of coming up with these ideas, um, the, the genesis of their books. But because I'm a nonfiction author and there is not a time that I haven't had something or some things drop in that I just hadn't thought about because along the way in an interview or someone I've talked to, it's opened up another window I hadn't thought about. So I just have your curiosity, have your, have your characters ever ran away from you? Sure. They can, they can let, or, or they die, oh. you know, or they, you know, they just said, you know, I've had enough or sometimes in fiction, that you realize the character is going nowhere. It's not adding to it. And, um, or, or maybe this, this wise old sage older sister is really a five-year-old that's a Yoda, you know? <laughs> so, so sometimes you don't know. And that's where, the, that's the magic of things. As you go along, they will unfold. And that's why I think it's really important for an author to have flexibility in their DNA. Um, to let it come. Now, when number four, when you start writing that first draft, you know, and I think that the, the, the four most important words should be just get through it. Just do it. You know, for Nike is just do it. Uh, we, I want you just, just to get through it as ugly as it is, as rough as it is, just get it going because you can re, I mean, there could be so many levels of your rewrites as a process, but this is also how you learn. And I think this, when I, we mentioned as we started that the uh, November, which is the National Novel Writing Month, also known as the NaNoWriMo, <laughs> that, that this is where you have dabbles and dribs that come in and you're almost doing a speed write. You, you've got your brain on fast track to try to get through these 50,000 words, which is the goal. Um, to do it so you're and, and it could be the first hundred pages guess what you throw them out yes but, but as gonna, awful as that is you can't keep it it's like baking if you put too much salt in a pie you wouldn't eat it just because you baked it yes and but but I, I'm going to tell you don't push the delete button to go in perpetuity you pulled it in, in an old file, an old folder, okay. because there could be gems in there that you're going to want to pull for something else. Agreed. Okay. So I think that's that's an area. So but a couple of common problems that you're going to see where um, maybe you're working on a scene or something, you just can't finish it. So here's the solution. Then don't skip it. Don't, because now you're going to get stuck. Right, you know? right. Um, and you have something like that in that, or you have, you know, um, that you've written something about your character with his Timex watch, <laughs> you know, you've got something really goofy and you just, 
that, but you just do the TK and move on and know you have to go back and fix it. That's all you have to do. Instead of having to rewrite the whole bloody scene all over again um, and that kind of thing. The next step is uh, you need to take a breather. So sometimes it's a day. It's like Sandy, when you took a day off for chemo or maybe two days for the recovery or the, the third day of the recovery for it. Um, that I think it's important that drafts have the opportunity to breathe and then you can come back with them and eyeball them again. To refresh your eyes. It, it, when I wrote my first book, which I thought was perfect, perfect and it certainly wasn't. But when I wrote it and I was flying back to be on, new, on Good Morning America and I'm reading it again, I am literally going, oh my God, why did I write it this way? I mean... <laughs> You know, it's like buyer's remorse. What were you thinking um, for that? So take a few days off and then come back um, with that. And when you do, in my fifth point is you're going to start reading it with, okay, and I'm ready to start tweaking. I'm starting to do revisions. I'm not married to any of this stuff. I am open for it. So you're looking for awkward awkwardness. I'm not talking about grammar at all. Really, I'm not talking about grammar, not talking about punctuation. It's irrelevant at this point, which you're, you're, you're really Thor is about your story um, in that. Now, one of the things that I kind of like is because everyone works on the computer all the time. Um, and one of the reasons why I don't read eBooks because I'm on the computer all the time and my eyeballs say, you're not doing this anymore. So I want, I, I like print. I think it's important at some point, and this may be the time that whatever you've got rough, print that sucker out yep. and then you're going to sit down and with whatever your favorite color pencil is or pen and you're now you're going to start scribbling on it margins and everything so you're looking for inconsistencies is there a pacing is the narrative or the dialogue freaking boring that is so important imagine Absolutely. And I, you know, I, when I've, I've talked to people, adults who are now writing children's books, I always ask them, do you live with little children? Are you around little children? Are you, do you know how little children talk? Do you know what their creativity process is? Do you think, I mean, do you play with kids? <laughs> and, and, and I am amazed when a lot of them say they don't. Mm -hmm. um, you, if you have got to do some hanging out so you know what's curving, you know, and, and if you if you're dealing with um, uh, like teenage jargon, for example, which is sometimes a foreign language for, for people, you need to have some help here in this uh, uh, deals. I, I think one of the great resources I found for authors in writing and fiction is um, uh, Ackerman's uh, Tothoruses. She's got Tothoruses for uh, narratives, for conflicts, for behaviors, for um, uh, family struggles. I mean, there are a whole set of books that are fabulous that you can find a help in. And it's appropriate to get help. Don't try to go alone on all this. I think that's what's really important. And, and then you mentioned Sandy Arks. You know, in writing fiction, you know, does it arc? Is one connected with the other? Do you say on page 212, something is absolutely inconsistent with what you wrote on page 18, and then you had something on 30. I have read some fiction, the main character, the same, the same main character has four different names. I mean, really. <laughs> or eye color. 
that's the one thing that that always makes me laugh. I'm like, I'm I'm a stickler for detail. So if your character has beautiful sea green eyes in chapter one, she cannot have violet or blue green no. in the eighth chapter. No, ab absolutely. Uh, there's a in uh, this fall. There is the new Dune movie is finally coming out, and I remember asking one of the, the one of the principals in writing it. Uh, is he going to have the same turquoise deep colored eyes <laughs> or, or are you changing it? Because that's the one thing that really stood out, you know, in my looking at that, that book on that. All right. So when you're through this bit, you're ready to come back. Now you get to write the second draft. All right. Again, we're not editing. We're smoothing out. We're bringing things together. We're making it better. Every time you do the rewrite, the book gets <laughs> better right and then the next step is you're just going to do these repeating of you know take a few days off or, or a week or whatever you need to do come back with it at fresh eyes get ready to reread re it again for revision um and then start rewriting all right the next step then this is actually i'm on step nine is now we're now we're going to start paying attention to grammar and some of the punctuation um, side of it. And these are the one really the obvious ones. You're going to be looking at the flow of what you're doing, where you're going. You're looking at the, uh, the, the language in is are using the correct words for the genre, for the character ages, the way they speak with each other. Um, and, and, and also, I, I think what's really important, I see a lot of authors get in trouble with this, Sandy, is they forget about the senses. You know, you know, are they telling things versus are you allowing me to hear the, the swoosh of it, um, uh, the threatening noise, the thunder clapping? You know, wh what what are you allowing me to do? Am I visualizing it? Am I tasting that? I mean, how horrible can it taste? Can you really describe that for me? And I think it's really important to do that because we do that in our narrative. Um, uh, of dialogue and in the narrative setting up and exiting your scene and you're, you're putting that together with the process. And then I think it's important to look at what the tone you're using. Um, that And that's usually um, less so in a fiction book versus a nonfiction. And one of my pet peeves for uh, nonfiction authors is always, it's this, all this, it's passive, the passive writing, the we and us. And for a nonfiction writer, you are writing to a you. There is one person that right now has eyeballs. Now there could be a gazillion eyeballs on it, but it's one person's set of eyeballs. So you're giving advice to a you and keep it in that tone. So they say, oh, they're talking to me instead of this we-ism and the us-isms. Right, then next, I think it's important to get some other eyeballs besides yours. You know, don't get it out too early for other people to read. And this is where I've seen, I, I know sometimes writing groups are really supportive, really, really helpful, but sometimes they can sabotage the effort. If, if you've got a whole bunch of people in a writing group that are not into sci-fi and that is fantasy sci-fi is your thing, um, they're not gonna get of a whole sci-fi community in a lot of ways. They're not going to get this futuristic view 
um, and some of the things that, that are going on. So your beta readers need to have, read, beta readers should be readers of that genre. I strongly believe that. Very, well, very important. Also be, what I learned with some of these writers groups is if somebody's comments to you feel icky, mm -hmm. they probably are. Because mm -hmm. if somebody tells me, you know what, you're, you have a problem with dialogue or the dialogue sounds the same with your characters, okay, that's a valid criticism. But if they're like, you know, I just don't like it. And I don't, you know, I don't know what it is. Like, you know, those type of things, you've got to pick the right people for your peer group, because there's a lot of jealousy. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of just ickiness. So I have that ick factor. So if something feels icky to me, I'm like, okay, this isn't, that's enough for me to go. This isn't the right place for me. Oh, and that's absolutely true. And I think that for criticism, I've always told authors, a lot of times criticism is comes from envy. You're doing it and they're not. <laughs> right. So always understand that in the process. So I, I think that when you select your beta readers, that they're that intended audience that, as we're both saying, um, and, and you're not going to be able to tell if you're using a jargon in your marketing book, if you give it to another experienced marketer to read, because they may not be the reader of it. That's what people need to understand on this thing. So ask, give your readers kind of what you're looking for. Do you want them to line at it? Do you want them to give you overall feelings? Do you want to, um, uh, uh, do you want to ask them, you know, what do they think, you know, what do they think about the various conflict points, the plot points? How did the ending grab you? Um, was was the opening power enough to keep you going past page 18, which by the way, dear listeners, that's where most books are closed. Um, mm -hmm. Is is that going to keep it going in that? And then I, and I do, Sandy, want to add on for our nonfiction listeners that I am a huge, huge, huge believer of using stories in your books. So as they are reading it, they're thinking, oh my God, she gets me, or this sounds like Uncle Charlie. Oh, you know what? This is what George down the street did exactly when he screwed up his company and it went belly up. Mm -hmm. um, so they, they connect and they can relate to you on that. Whatever well, you know, the Bible, I mean, the Bible is parables. You know, how do they think we learn things? We, we tell stories to each other and we learn. So, you know, telling stories in your book, I think goes back probably to the caveman days around the fire. Oh, absolutely. So in, in asking for feedback, you may ask them, you know, does it flow? Is it, it, does it go too fast? Are there any holes in here you're looking for? Is there any characters that you loved or did not like? Um, are there any of the characters that you really wanted to pull through? And even bad people in a book, you can sometimes root for them. I mean, one of my challenges, and I'll say this, I'll probably people, because I've been on Oprah's show several times, but I hated most of the books that she put in her book club. Mm -hmm. They were always depressive. <laughs> and I just, you know, I, I sometimes want to, uh, when I read a fiction book, I want to come out feeling good. <laughs> I want to root for people. And even for the bad guy sometimes. And I said, well, maybe there is a tinkling of good stuff here. Um, and it will come out, but sometimes there's, when it's too depressive, I'm going, wait a minute, you know, this isn't the escapism I was looking for. Now, oh, it's not, yes, yeah, so that, that's, that's when you write nonfiction. 
but but you better have some solutions for nonfiction mm -hmm. um, as you're as you're going through these things. So give them what you're looking for, and and I think it's always a good idea to ask you know what carries you the like, and what did they didn't like, and what are the best attributes you liked, or what are the naughtiness. Um, that really intrigued you to wonder what was going to happen. But whatever you do, make it easy for them. So I think that it's really important to ask them how, um, if they've agreed to do it, um, how would they like to have the manuscript sent over? Do they want them to, you know, to email the manuscript? If they, if they want it printed, um, how do they want it? When I look mm -hmm. at stuff, I want it printed to right. go through because I'm going to be writing notes on it probably as I go through it um, in those areas. Um, if they want it on a tablet, then you need to export it to, you know, a dummy ebook um, and get it that way. So ask them, you ask and you deliver it the way they want it. That's the way. There's no exceptions uh, to that. Don't make it difficult. Now, Let's say everything comes back. My point 11 here is that there, you've got all this you know, feedback coming back. Um, listen to it. Um, and if someone says, boy, I didn't like, you know, Herbie that you had in chapter three, why didn't you like them? Ask them why. Um, well, it was a slime bucket and everything he did, you know, turned to trash and you couldn't trust him and you couldn't do this. So you start looking for what are the things that are grabbing as you go along um, with that. But ask for feedback and if appropriate, um, if you feel it's right on target, uh, start implementing it and incorporating it back. It's also, let me say this, it's also to disregard it mm -hmm. because sometimes feedback can come back that in your heart of heart, you know, just isn't the right fit. This is the wrong person. And I have had to pick up Sandy, a lot of authors from the floor when some of this stuff has come back because it often was the wrong fit. The wrong person was reading it. It just wasn't their kind of thing. Um, well, and that can be for a professional too. You know, I remember early in my career, I was in my 20s and I wrote a, I wrote a, a romance that was set in Romania where two people fell in love because they were going to Romania to do adoptions. You know, single father and a single mother adopting children ended up getting married in Romania so they could bring these children out. Now, again, wasn't a bestseller, but the, I remember the editor over at a major romance publishing house going, ew, ick, why would you do this? That's like putting snakes in a box of chocolates. And she ripped on me for like I still have it somewhere and I know her name was Hillary I won't give her last name but it was the rudest and I kept that letter for years because it reminded me someone should be criticizing the work not making fun of you yes absolutely and and it especially when you my gosh you've worked a gazillion hours yep putting this together, your heart and soul. And I, and I often find in a lot of fiction, a lot of that author is in there. Oh, yeah. Know, their traits are in there, their fears, their concerns, their fill in the blank. Um, they're all in there. Yeah. All right. So we've gone through all these, these points. All right. Mm -hmm. Then the next is, okay, what are we going to call this gem? What's your title? And, and usually no, you know, you may have known from the get go, but my experience is that often titles 
um, as, uh, will come as the process yes. moves along. And just to let that happen, you, you may alter it, you may do that. I think it's real important to, when you're for fiction authors, to really think, I am not a one book pony. There are more books, whether they are connected with these characters, we're gonna carry them forward, you could. And, and readers are looking for an author who is not a one book pony. Right. They, they really do want to, um, they want you to succeed. And they and they're willing to invest some of their time um, to support you in that by buying your books, by reading your books, but that let them know that there's more to come. I think that's always just smart to do that within your book. So title it, and then you start thinking about what do I do next? Okay, so there's some there's some good tools out there that you can use to support you as an author. There's uh, you know Schreibner that that helps you lay out and it's, it's sophisticated. I almost felt like when I was looking at it, I think I needed another advanced degree to figure this all out. But some people are really good at this and yeah. um, figuring out. There are some other tools. Um, I'm a huge fan of Hemingway. There is a free version of Hem the Hemingway app that you'd have to go to the website each time and download it to drop in your work and it'll let you know um, in uh, each time or you can spend like 10 bucks and buy it. So I have it sitting on my desktop. So anything I'm working on, whether it's a blog or it's a chapter, I just drop it in and, and see, do I have too many sentences that are difficult to read? Have I overused the adverbs? Um, do I need more descriptive adjectives, etc.? There is something for fiction called fictional and it's F-I-X-I-O-N-A-L. You can drop your entire, Higher manuscript in, and it'll take a couple of hours for it to chunk it out. You'd buy it, um, and and it'll come back and help start figuring out: is your arc violated? Um, it, do you have these character? Have you have you have you got the four names for the characters? You should only have one for. <laughs> it'll let you know. It's a nifty tool. Um, How do you spell that? F I X. X is an X-ray. I-O-N-A-L. And there is, if you go to the, um, the author you, a author and then you.org website and click on resources, it's actually on our resource page. We recommend it. So that is, that is a good tool to use um, in that. So, the, and, and there's others. And then I'm a big believer that you are competing with New York. I, I think another tool that you should know about is called Book Brush. Mm -hmm. And Book Brush, all one word, dot, uh, dot com. It is, it is a site developed totally for authors. And that's, that's the market. And you can get ideas to support like for titles and covers and posters and stuff like that, which are very cool. That is cool. And going forward. So, and they're also on the Author You uh, website as a resource. So um, those kind of things will help it. And actually, if you have your title, if you have your title, you know what? Let's play a little bit. You could go into Bookbrush and mock up a cover. Now I use professional designers for my covers and my interiors and all the clients I work with do the same thing. Mm -hmm. But this this is like creating a fabulous hanging carrot. And you can see that cover. It's like for um, my next book, I, I have, I, I knew what the title was. 
going to be for it. And, and, and I'm in the process of writing it. So, and I've already had the cover designed. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very happy with the new cover and that's going forward with it. And, and every, you know, wherever I'm sitting it, I actually have it printed out and I have it taped to certain parts of my office. Just when I sit down, oh yes, I need to get back to writing that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's there dangling. Um, so I'm a big believer in that. But the and then and then you go through, okay, so how am I gonna how am I gonna publish the book? You know, maybe that's another episode. We're probably close to our time here, Sandy. We are. We I think we're gonna have to have a whole hour with you just on book publishing. Oh uh, yes, I'd love to do that. Yeah. So how can people find out? You mentioned author you. We uh-huh. mentioned the bookshepherd.com. And mm-hmm. I want to just say something on behalf of Judith, because I'm a big fan of hers. And her website is beautiful and has lots of great information on there. So you can go to the bookshepherd.com. You can go to authoryou.com. You can go and find her on YouTube. You can read her blogs. There's so much information that this lady gives out for free. So if you have not been to author you or or the book shepherd, you're really missing out. And to be part of her meetup groups, I mean, there's eight different ways, Judith, that people can work with you. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about before we run out of time? Yeah, what one of them is, and uh, let me just say, I encourage people to become a member of authoru.org. As a member, we do a lot of stuff online as well as in person. And that one of the things that we do on the second Saturday of every month is basically a pick my brain time. And we do it at seven in the morning mountain time. I'm in based in Colorado, seven in the morning to 830. And imagine, you know, a cyber flip chart and you come with all your questions. Now, I usually know the answers, but you know, when you have 20 other people, 30 other people in the Zoom room, there's other variables of it. And you come away with that. So that's one of the little perks that we do. On the first Saturday of every month, we do a full-blown program <laughs> to advance you. But for one of the other ways that, that people can do, I have a mentoring program where I work with you for six months, one-on-one. We start with building your infrastructure and start going through it. We may be working on your book a little bit at the time, but that usually comes under a separate book shepherd contract where I am in... Uh, starting to do developmental um, editing for you and going through that. I'm bringing the team together to totally publish your book, all the players of it. Um, I have the unplugged experiences. Like in November of this, we'll be doing online and we will be doing the book marketing, social media. Authors always ask me, so um, I'll, you know, I won't get my website put up until after I have my book in hand and I go, <laughs> we're working on it right now you need that website you need the website that's that's your platform that you're going to start building on and when do you start marketing the day you start writing and it's like oh well I didn't do that a year ago when I started writing this book okay so we're going to start today. and there are just things that you're going to start putting easter eggs out what's coming you know and you're going to do that in blogs you're going to do that in posts I'll show you how to curate other people's work and turn it into your own newsletter very cool cool to play with (laughs) so there there is just much to do so in November I'll be doing the marketing and social media unplugged that will be online 
on the 19th and 20th, and that will be found on the experience tab on the bookshepherd.com website. Um, and then we will uh, be doing in coming up, and this is now in person. I go back and forth with in person and online because um, because I, that's that's what today is about. And that in January, we'll be doing an author you extravaganza where I'll be bringing other faculty members in um, from around the country who are experts in a variety of things. So it will be a very two-day intensive uh, learning time. But we always have fun in the evening. I always bring in a comedian at dinner on Friday night. And then we have another way is, you know, if you like cruising, I do a cruise, Publishing at Sea Cruise, which will be to the Southern Caribbean in 2022, starting February 26th. And if, if whenever you're listening to this, if, if it's prior to February and you're interested, call me and I'll see if there's any space because this is eight days at sea. You will be working. My attitude is when we are at sea, you're kind of, I get to own you. So from, from a little bit from eight o'clock to four o'clock with a long hour and a half lunch break so you can enjoy the ship. We're in workshops and we're working. You're learning on a variety of tools, techniques, strategies to support your success as an author. And when you're at port, I, you know what? Go, just go. I don't want to see you. Go have a good time. I'll see you at dinner. And, and we have, you know, that's how we've done it. Uh, 2022 will be our ninth year. We've done the publishing of Sea Cruise. Um, and you can see that uh, at publishingatsea.com. Love so, that. Love there's, that. There's a few ways, you know, there's that a- you can buy me for a month work uh, of work where I give you eight hours of my time and I'm generous. I always give people more. You can do intensive one-on-one mentoring where we have a six month program. You just want to pick my brain. You can buy an hour of my time up to all of you. Love that. Love that. So check her out on Amazon, check her out on thebookshepherd.com. Go to author you. You'll be glad you did. We will be definitely having Judith back again. You've been a great help and a great inspiration for all the new writers out there. We'll be back again next week with another great episode. Thanks for tuning in to military mom talk radio. Want more information? Check us out at militarymomtalkradio.com or find us on iTunes for more than 500 free episodes. Drop us an email or find us on Facebook. We are looking forward to another great discussion. We hope you'll join us on Military Mom Talk Radio.